Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. Glory to God. All right, let's all stand at our feet again. And I like doing that to you. Let's lift our hands. Say, God, we love you. More of you. Thank you for your house. Thank you for my family around me. Lord, we're hungry for your word. Hungry for your truth. Lord, bring transformation. I declare I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word, but I'm going to be a doer of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't too bad, was it? Grab your seats again. Ah, I feel like there's some excitement in the uh, spirit and in the atmosphere this morning, as there should be, because where two or more are gathered in His name, there He is in our midst. There He, capital H, because deity, Jesus, He is God, amen, and His presence, His spirit is here around us, but also even more amazingly in us as believers. If you're not a believer, you're still in the right place. If you're not born again, you're in the right place. We've been seeing many people get born again lately because they've been encountering His love and His presence. And I say, bring it on. We want more of it. And if you're with me this morning, give me a shout out. Amen. Uh, Once again, I want to continue on with what we've been building. Remember, we don't just get excited when we worship. Uh, We get excited when the Word is preached too, okay? So feel free to praise His name and to shout out and praise when the Word's being taught because it's just as important as the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hey, didn't the band do a wonderful job? I know we've already said that, but uh, in particular, that last song, where you go, I'll go, what you say? Man, there was something on that. Glory to God. All right, we're going to get straight into the Word of God this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. That's going to be our starting point. It's that time of year again. We do it every year. We present the vision as we did last year. If you weren't here last week, I would most certainly encourage you to check out our, uh, what do they call that now? A podcast. All right, check out our podcast. And if you go to firechurch.com.au, it's uploaded. Thanks to our media team for working on that so quickly, putting it together and uploading it during the week. Man, we have a wonderful team that works really, really hard. Really grateful to you guys. And that That's food for us. We can go back and we can chew over the Word. We can digest it. We can ask questions. We can study it out for ourselves. We want to encourage people in this place not just to believe what's being taught. We respect ministers. We thank them. But at the end of the day, it's the Word of God that's the final authority. And so it's important that we have a culture where people go back and study, look over the Word, look over what was taught, and go back and and make sure that it's settled in their heart for sure. And then once it's settled, go about doing it. Amen? And let's see the kingdom of God advance all over this globe in Jesus' name, starting here. So after we present the vision, we do this on an annual basis. We then move into the following week, which is now provision for the vision. So why don't you say to the person next to you, oh, it's up there, that helps us out even more. Provision for the vision. I love it. At the start of the year, we talk, we take a whole service to talk about finance and about giving. And then we ask you to not eat for 21 days in February. 
So we, we really sought out the sheep from the goats, right, from the, the get-go here at Fire Church. We, uh, you know, the two notorious things that have affected the people of God, finance and food. Yeah, the murmuring and the complaining and all the crazy stuff that's happened throughout church history. But not here at Fire Church, amen? We're not afraid of the subject. And, uh, and we love fasting. By the way, you don't have to eat nothing for 21 days. You can do a Daniel fast, which can be veggies and... Anyway, we'll, we'll teach you all about that. So if you're new, brace yourself for the next couple of months. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. I remember when I... Pre-salvation days, you'd turn on uh, the television and as soon as someone began to talk about finance or money, there would be this offense and this assumption that Christians just want your money, blah, blah, blah. Partly because I was not saved and the devil's a liar, but also partly because there has been some excesses in the doctrine of prosperity. And so people have taken it too far and have abused that doctrine. So there's, there's different reasons for why we feel that way. But I remember once I got born again, once I got saved, the subject of giving was settled in my heart. I'm like, I just love Jesus so much. I'm not just going to sing where you go I'll go, what you say, I'll say. I'm going to live it because he's in me and I'm so grateful that I'm alive and I get to do life with Jesus as a co-laborer and help him see the kingdom of God advance. And we all know it costs money to do that, amen? So the issue of money was settled once I got born again. And I take us to Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, because I want to show you the heart of Paul. It's interesting, I always love refreshing over this topic, studying this topic. Um, by the way, I would encourage you to check out a series called Prosperity with Purpose by a man named Bill Johnson. He, he ran a, a six or seven week series and it's just phenomenal revelation. And so I'd encourage you to check that out if you want some further information on this after this morning. Uh, but I take us to Philippians chapter 4 because Paul was teaching the Philippian church about the topic of finance. And in my own study, it's quite amazing how much scripture and how much teaching there is on the subject of finance. It's a very important thing in Christendom or in Christianity. So to give you a little bit of context before I read the particular verse 17 in chapter 4, Paul was actually correcting the church on the subject of giving. One of the reasons he was doing that was because he was trying to um, go into new areas. He was trying to see the kingdom of God advance as a pioneer, breaking new ground open. And he had to uh, rely on a man named Epaphroditus. Who's heard this story before? Who's heard that name, Epaphroditus? You can check it out in your own time. But it's said that Epaphroditus had to work around the clock because of the lack of giving from the Philippian church. And so much so that he worked around the clock because he was so, uh, he was just such a great faithful man and wanted to see Paul be able to freely uh, work the ministry uh, that he unfortunately got burnt out and got sick and it says he actually almost died. He was working that hard. And Paul attributes that to the lack of giving from the Philippian church. So he's correcting the church, he's teaching the church, but what I love is later on, so he gives the correction. And by the way, how many people know we need correction? Yeah, because we, we are born of his spirit. 
but sometimes we still fall into our old soul patterns, our old way of thinking, humanistic thinking, and we can just, good people can kind of veer off track and we forget why we're alive and what we're doing. And so sometimes we need correction. In fact, Jesus said, I rebuke and chastise those that I love. And that's how we grow. Amen. So it's important that we don't tiptoe around this subject. We're not afraid of this subject. We're not afraid of correction. We're not afraid of, by the way, I'm not correcting you today. I'm just bringing some context before I share on Philippians 4. You guys are actually very generous and we're grateful. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without you guys. But it's still important that you understand why we're giving. Amen. I want to speak the Word of God into this subject today so that you have faith when you're giving. It's not just going through the motions because you think you have to as some sort of duty, but it's something that we step into as we give its seed and we're giving in faith and we're going to bear a hundredfold, two hundredfold, a thousandfold, a millionfold according to your faith, let it be. How do we have faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So check out Paul's, uh, one of the motives in Paul bringing correction and also bringing instruction and bringing teaching in the subject of finance. He says this, I'm not teaching you this or I'm not correcting you or talking about this subject. He goes on to say, not that I seek the gift or not that I seek what you're giving, but more importantly than that, although that's important so we can continue the work of the ministry and the kingdom can advance, but what he's saying is more importantly, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Everyone say your account. Did you know you have a heavenly account? I'm going to touch on this a little later in the message. I'm going to bring in elements of our vision, our subject vision or our focal point this year of eternity. In context here, Paul is talking about, I believe, our heavenly account. I'm going to show you a little more later in the message. Why don't you say to the person next to you, did you know you've got a heavenly account? I might get into it straight away, actually. I was going to leave this for a little later. Who's heard of cryptocurrencies? Yeah. <laughs> I thought there might be some excitement around that topic. Everyone's talking about it. Bitcoin and Ripple and Ethereum. And it's, uh, it's a real buzz about this, uh, this new, uh, what is it, chain, blockchain. And some people make quite a bit of money from it. Uh, by the way, I'm not endorsing it. I don't know a lot about it. Uh, there's rumors that it's going to bubble and burst and so forth. So, um, but I've got some friends that have made money on it. But it is very volatile as well. And it's up and down. I've also got friends that have uh, lost recently as it's gone from 17,000 down to 11,000. So I talk about that because it's a real buzz at the moment in terms of investment and getting back something from this new blockchain technology and investing and stocks and of course, the real estate market is very popular amongst people that are investing. And over the last few years, uh, there's been a lot of people that have made money from that. But it's interesting here that Paul and Jesus on numerous occasions point to an account that we have in heaven. And I think it's really cool that we've been one of our focal points this year is eternity. I want us to understand that when we make sacrifices in this life, it's actually investing in something far more sure than 
cryptocurrencies. Far more sure than real estate. We're actually investing into eternity. And you might think, yeah, but that's years away. What about now? Well, if we just stop and think for a minute, we're only like 70 or 80 years on this earth, longer hopefully for a lot of us. But on average, it's around that. And the, the way that we live our life now determines how we're going to live our life in the next. This life is a drop in the ocean in comparison to eternity with God in heaven. All right, so I want us to think about that this year in particular. Everything that we do, everything that we do with the right heart, the right motive, every time we sow, every time we sacrifice for the kingdom in this life, He's going to give us a hundredfold in the next. And we're building up treasures in our heavenly account. It's a more sure investment than anything you've ever heard of in your life. Amen? So Paul says here, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So in other words, Paul's saying, I want to fire you up on this subject. I don't want to tiptoe around it. I, I don't care if I offend you a little bit or upset you in this. I'd much prefer you to get a hold of this because I care about the fruit that's going to abound in your account. And he's probably thinking, I want to hang out with you in your mansion and I want you to thank me when we get in heaven for preaching this message. Because he'd be like, thank God you taught me that because look how we're living right now. And God wants you to understand these heavenly riches. He wants you to understand these, uh, these promises that we have in the next life for those that are faithful in this life. Amen? So it's not works that get us into heaven. It's by grace. But how you live in the next life is determined by how you live now. Did you know that? You're going to learn about that this year more and more. Glory to God. It's all in the Bible. All right, so the Holy Spirit's directed me to speak on this subject because I believe He's wanting to release a grace for increase that we've never seen before. And I want you to understand it's not just limited to the finance realm either. I'm going to show you shortly how our giving of financial seed affects the spirit realm as well, and it actually attracts the grace of heaven in our life, not just for more finance, but what Jesus describes as true riches. It's been taught that when Jesus said, hey, if you can be trusted with unrighteous mammon, this $50 note, which some of us think is just so wonderful, but really it's just a tool. Amen. It doesn't mean much. It's going to pass away in this life. But it's been taught, Jesus said, if you can be trusted with unrighteous mammon, then he'll be able to entrust you with true riches. Some people believe that means more money, but I, I want to tell you, true riches doesn't mean more unrighteous mammon. He wasn't referring to that. So what is true riches? Many of us are here not for money. Chelsea and I aren't here for money. We didn't plant a church in Frankston for money. Believe you me. And we've had plenty of other offers well-paying things that we've said no to because we're here not for money, not for unrighteous mammon, but we're here for true riches. We're here to see people encounter God. We're here to see revival spread throughout this city, throughout this nation. Amen? And I know you guys are here for that too. So I want to show you the importance of this subject and how it links to true riches, as Jesus said, Okay. Let's get into it. We're going to need a little bit of line-upon-line line teaching today. You guys cool with that? So it'd be great if you've got your Bibles. Um, as I said before, there's a grace for increase. I'll just give you a couple of um, 
testimonies and I think really it's just the the beginning if you like of what's to come but recently in fact uh, in 2017 last year uh, there was a couple that came in here and gave a contributed a large donation towards uh, the kingdom of God in fact uh, specifically on this occasion it was towards the Awakening Australia event very considerable donation of a hundred thousand dollars and I got to have lunch with them and just hear their story a little bit about why these people who don't know us have just heard this vision would just be that radically obedient and step out and give 100k. And they, it's interesting, and I've, I've noticed this a lot with people that are very generous. The ones that are generous are often the ones with the crazy testimonies of God's provision. Generosity attracts provision. And in the early days for them, it was stepping out in faith without a testimony but they just continued to be faithful and faithful faithful and that was certainly the case with this couple and they began to unpack how God had been so uh, graceful with them and there'd been so much favor on certain business decisions that they made certain sales of property and they just knew that they were going through a season where God's it was like they can be wise and we can be good stewards and make good decisions but the things that they were doing was just out of this like what God was doing i won't go into specific details but they just knew that god was on it and that he was uh releasing uh, a great amount of wealth into their life for the kingdom of god amen and so i want to encourage us to be a people that are generous that believe god in this subject he does want you to prosper believe it or not but it's prosperity with a purpose it's when there's no purpose and when it's for you that's when it gets weird it's prosperity with a purpose. Amen? We had another couple here. I won't say their names because they wanted to give in secret, but they gave $10,000 towards uh, the kingdom work. And that very day that they committed as a husband and wife couple, it was, a, it was a sacrifice, it was a risk for them to step out and give that much. That very next day, uh, the real estate agent called them and said, by the way, that house that you are... Uh, uh, selling that uh, that potential person that wants to buy the house now wants to buy the house but not only that I managed to get an extra ten thousand dollars for the sale and this couple didn't even ask for that and ten thousand more than what they actually put down for the sale and the real estate got that the exact amount that they had committed earlier in the day so I constantly hear these stories about God's provision in this so you might say, well, where does it say that in the Bible? And I would say, great question. Let's have a look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 9. You guys okay? Malachi chapter 3, verse 9. Yeah, curse with a curse. It's a nice encouraging message <laughs> you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation this is God speaking to the people of God in the book of Malachi he goes on to say bring me bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith says the Lord of hosts everyone say prove me 
This is God saying to the people of God, test me in this, prove me on this subject. Did you know there's no other subject in all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation where God says, prove me, test me on this. I'm speaking this to you and I'm challenging you to test me to see whether this is true or not. So, and a good question, I think Marie said, how do you do that? Uh, the answer is the verse 10, bring me all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, everyone say windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing, everyone say pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now I need to stop there because this is really important. The context is talking about the storehouse being full, having enough, having more than enough. But he also goes on to say that there would be an open heaven and blessings poured out from heaven. Remember before how I said Jesus attributed the faithfulness of unrighteous mammon to true riches. He said, if I can trust you in unrighteous mammon, I'll be able to entrust you with true riches. And I said, that's not talking about more money. And here we see a link with faithfulness, with the tithes and offerings into the storehouse with an open heaven. Everyone say open heaven. Who wants an open heaven? Who wants an outpouring of God's revival? If you need more help, I'll take us to Acts chapter 10 now. Cornelius, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but I'd encourage you to go back over it in your own time. Cornelius, an angel came to Cornelius, and the Bible says that Cornelius attracted the favor of heaven. In fact, what Cornelius did, the way he lived his life, it said that it went up as a memorial before God. What does that mean? It said that it caught the attention, it means that it caught the attention of heaven. The Bible says, how many people know this? The Bible says that the, God's eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hearts that are perfect towards him. The eyes of heaven were upon Cornelius because of his actions. What were his actions? Prayer and arms, or his generosity his giving and the bible specifically notes those two things and later you'll find out he was fasting as well so we know that one of the things that ca uh, captures the attention of heaven is our generosity and as a result of that god sent an angel open heaven angel words of knowledge the next thing you know, he's setting up divine appointments. Who likes divine appointments? Open doors, favor. The next thing you know, Peter's involved, the apostle Peter. He's on a roof, having going into this extraordinary supernatural trance where God begins to speak to him. He then connects Peter with Cornelius supernaturally. Angels are involved. Words of knowledge are involved. The prophetic's involved. All of these supernatural things that come with an open heaven. And P 
Peter is then led to Cornelius' house. At this stage, the Gentiles had not yet received the Holy Spirit. This was the first occasion that the Gentiles, by the way, if you don't know, the Gentiles are the people of God that aren't the Jews. They're not of the Jewish bloodline. They're outside of the covenant. It's the first time that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can read all this in that very same chapter in the book of Acts. And Peter preaches the word of God, preaches about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit falls. The outpouring, the pouring out of his spirit upon the Gentiles for the first time. That's revival. Did you know that? We need revival in this nation. We need an outpouring. And little old Cornelius was instrumental in helping God orchestrate that beautiful scenario of revival, that outpouring that we find in the book of Acts. And you've got to study it out. I mean, I'm a student of revival. I want to know how, what, what are the details of it? I want to investigate it because I want to see it happen again. God, he puts those details in the scriptures so that we'll search it out so that we can believe that it can happen again. And his generosity was key to this. Amen? But it's important that you understand this too. And then when you're generous, you're giving by faith, trusting that God's going to bring an open heaven. And as you believe, according to your faith, let it be done. Amen? So with further scripture and evidence of this, let's have a look at that again. Verse 10. Bring me all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me or test me now herewith said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall be, there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's the heart of God, that you'll test him, that you'll be faithful in this, and he'll, he'll add to you so much so that you'll have more than enough. In other words, blessed to be a blessing, prosperity with purpose. Amen? Why would we need more than enough? So that we can give to others. That's how he wants you to live. Amen? Verse 11, and this is key to understanding the curse part of this scripture. A lot of people just kind of tiptoe over this and say, oh, it's just because it's part of the Old Testament and don't quite understand why God is so strong in this area. But we begin to understand it further on uh, in the chapter, in verse 11, it gives us a key here. And he said, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Who's the one that curses? Not God. God doesn't curse. He's good. But there is, a, there is one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It says that in John 10.10. 10. Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly, but there's someone else, the thief, that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's also noted as being the devourer. If we're not faithful in this, then potentially we're opening a door for the devourer to come and still kill and destroy in our life. Okay? So obedience blocks out the attacks of the enemy. Did you know that? Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits 
of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. What a great and precious promise. That's talking about this life. And then we've got the promises in eternity as well in our heavenly account. God's good. He's a good dad. Amen? So we're going to unpack this a little bit more now. Some of you are going, why are you sharing from the Old Testament? Why are you talking about tithes when it's not a part of the new covenant? There are some people in here, when it comes to the tithe, you fully you understand it. As a board, we fully endorse the practice of the tithe in the new covenant. Not as a legalistic thing, but as a faith thing. And we say it's just really the beginning. Amen? It's a faith thing. The way I see it, and the way I believe is, the way I see it is because of what I read, that when God gives us provision when he gives us increase for example your wage your work however you bring increase everything's from God it might come via a certain occupation or whatever but we always thank God and give God credit for that amen and the way I see it is he gives us bread and he also gives us seed so not everything that he gives us you're supposed to sow. Some people have the other extreme where it's just like we're meant to be poor and just live homeless and not have anything and they get kind of twisted on the other side of the pendulum swing, okay? But God gives us bread to eat, to provide for us so that we're blessed, so that we have a good life, but He also gives us seed. The seed is for us to plant by faith, believing that the kingdom of God is going to advance. And so the tithe is a is, a, is the seed part, amen? And so you're not meant to eat your seed, not as a legalistic thing, as I said, but as a faith thing, amen? So you've got tithe and offerings. And I'm so glad that we're teaching on this. It's important, amen? Because there are so many different views out there on this subject. So why do I say that tithe, the tithe is a part of the new covenant when it was in the old covenant? Well, I want to point something out. For some of you, you may have been taught that you don't tithe because it's in the law. But I want to correct that and say that actually the tithe was established 400 years before the law. It was ratified. Moses brought it into the law because it's a godly practice. But it was before the law, 400 years before, in fact. And I'll take you there now to Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. I think it's important for you to see this. This is really interesting. There's a character that is highlighted here called Melchizedek. A very interesting character. Someone that has has been discussed. Uh, Theologians have different ideas on who this is. Really, really interesting character. I believe it's a visitation from Jesus in the Old Testament. I believe he appeared on, Jesus appeared, he couldn't help himself. You know, his time was to come 2,000 years ago for a purpose in the flesh, but I believe he made a few uh, appearances. Uh, for example, the, uh, the four men in the fire, we see that there was a fourth man. I believe that was Jesus and in other various points if you do study on Scripture. 
So Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaver. This is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, excuse my pronunciation with that wild word, and the kings who were with him. Verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, by the way, king of Salem, and his name means prince of peace and prince of righteousness. Just to give you a bit of a heads up, who else is called Prince of Peace and Prince of Righteousness? The King, Jesus. So Melchizedek, King of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Verse 19. He, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, or Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who, was del- who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he gave him a tithe of all. It's the first time the word tithe is mentioned and it's 400 years before the law. The, the practice of giving of the first fruits as an offering to God uh, even precedes that. And it's with Cain and Abel and so the practice of giving to God of the first fruits, being faithful with our increase, has been there right from the start. And we see the word tithe here mentioned and first noted with this very unusual situation where we have Abraham who wins this battle. Uh, God brings him increase and he gives a tenth of that as an offering to this character called Melchizedek, who's also called Prince of Righteousness, who's also called Prince of Peace. Hebrews chapter 7 describes the event or describes Melchizedek as a type of Christ who has no recorded genealogy, no beginning and no end. Who else does that sound like? And particularly Hebrews 7, this this event was so important that the author in Hebrews, in the New Covenant now, talks about this tithe that Abraham, by the way, Abraham is also noted as the father of the law. No, that was Moses. The father of faith. Remember Jesus was wrestling with the Pharisees at one stage and he said, you say you're the children of Abraham, but why don't you do the deeds of Abraham? Born-again Christians in the New Covenant and Galatians in particular are noted as the children of Abraham, the father of faith. Even though we, many of us here are Gentiles, we're not of the Jewish bloodline, we are still children of Abraham by faith according to God's precious promises. We're born again and we've been grafted in to the vine. Amen, by faith because of what Jesus did. So in fact, in Hebrews 7, it talks about the tithe. And when we give now, we give to the one who lives. Who's the one who lives? The tithe is not under the law, but under the order of Melchizedek. What's the order of Melchizedek as noted in Hebrews chapter 7? That's the order of Jesus. He's now the high priest. Who's the head of the church? When you give to the church, who are you giving to? Jesus. Amen? So, one more little thing, just, to, just on the subject of the tithe, I think it's important that we understand this. By the way, this is not a divisive subject. If you still don't believe it after this, it's all good. Many theologians that disagree have had chats with different people, 
uh, they say, look, we still aren't convinced, but we would say from our study in the New Testament that you should be giving more than a tenth anyway. And so really it shouldn't be this uh, subject that brings division in the body of Christ, okay? We're not saying it's legalistic. We're saying it's, it's, a, it's a gift by faith. God is entrusting you with this seed to sow into the kingdom of God, to see the house of God established and strong and not falling apart. That's why he rebuked the, the people of God in Malachi. That was the context of bringing that correction. It's the context for Paul bringing correction in various places in the Old Testament as well. Are you with me? Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Abraham gave to Melchizedek. He's the father of faith. It's noted in Hebrews 7. And then, of course, we have Jesus that was, uh, he, he was speaking to the, uh, the Pharisees and he brought up a really interesting point and as he was establishing New Testament doctrine, he spoke about the tithe. Let me just try and find that for you. I think it's important that you see it. I was going to mention it, but it's a, it's a good scripture to show you. So just bear with me for a moment. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 42. You guys doing okay? Hasn't been much cheering today. Glory to God. Let's give Jesus some praise. Come on, let's just... Jesus, thanks for your word. Thanks for your word. Thanks for your word. We love it. All right, Luke eleven forty two. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice or neglect justice and the love of God. And then he goes on to say, these you ought to have done. What does he mean? The tithing you ought to do without leaving the others undone. What's he saying there? In other words, the tithe is just the beginning. It's just the starting point. If you... More than likely, if you fail in that area, you're probably going to fail in the other areas. How can I say that so confidently? Well, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yeah. Amen. It's off, sometimes, unless you, are, unless you don't have knowledge in this area and ignorant in this area, but often it's an indication of where your heart is if Jesus is really Lord of your life. What's the first thing that affects you personally and affects your flesh is when you're struggling a little bit financially. And that's when it's difficult to be, continue to be faithful and consistent in what God's calling you to do. And I love the fact that this is a volunteer thing. I can teach you what God wants and what He requires, but at the end of the day, it's, I'm not going to be um, doing an audit on you. Uh, it's up to you and God. Amen. It's a volunteer thing. It's a faith thing. You give by secret. Amen? That's what I love about it. So it's between you and God, but I do want to teach you on this subject like Paul said, so that fruit may abound into your account. Amen? All right. Glory to God. Now, I want to finish off on a couple of scriptures that I was really, really excited about, um, particularly uh, around our focal point of eternity. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Before we go there, I think it's important for us to understand too, that it's not up to us to redefine 
the de definition of, of the tithe. Uh, the, the context of the tithe is uh, giving of your increase. And for a lot of us, we're not farmers, so our increase comes via uh, finance, yeah? So it's not up to us to redefine it and say, well, I'll just tithe. I've heard funny things over the years. I'll just tithe to um, uh, my, my time. I'll, I'll tithe my time. And that's all cool if you want to tithe your time, but that's not the tithe that the Scriptures are talking about. The word tithe is literally means 10%. That's where we get 10% from. It's from the tithe, yeah? And also, the other, one of the other things too, sometimes we can redefine where we think the tithe should go. Do you mind if I get a bit real with you guys? I've heard some funny things over the years. Uh, sometimes I've had people say, well, I felt led to give my tithe to this church. And for me, I think, uh, so they didn't give the tithe to their local church, but they gave their tithe to somewhere else as they felt led. Now, I'm not against giving where you feel led, but I think it's important for you to understand that the tithe has a specific purpose. And so God's already led you through His Word on where to direct the tithe. The offering comes out of giving of where you're led, of where your desire is, where your love is, where your heart is. So it's tithes and offerings. Are you with me? It's a little bit, let me get a bit practical with you. It's a little bit like saying, I'm going to go to this awesome restaurant, eat of their food, uh, partake of their amazing services, and then at the end say to the waiter, listen, I'm feeling led to pay uh, the bill to uh, down the road. You know, hey, hey brother, don't judge me. Uh, I just feel led. And so you can kind of see in a practical sense that that's kind of a bit weird, yeah? So don't redefine uh, the definition of the tithe. The offering goes to where you're led and the tithe is for the home church, where you're feeding, where you're enjoying the service, where you're a part of, to see that church flourish, to see the vision of that church be able to be fulfilled, provision for the vision, hence the title of this message. You with me? All right. So finally, I haven't, I've taught on this subject before, but it's the first time that I've weaved in uh, these eternal promises into this message, and I'm actually really excited about it. There's a church in Brazil that uh, I think within like, like under 10 years, there are now 300,000 members in Brazil. And they started with one family. And so the church is all over the place now. John Bevere was telling us this. And John had a meeting with some of the main leaders for lunch. And he said, how did this happen? Like, give us some points, give us some keys. Like, is it because you had amazing small groups? Like, he's expecting to hear something like that. And he said, no, we teach our people about eternal judgment and eternal reward. He said, a lot of the West live with a 70, and talking about Christians, live with a 70 to 80 year perspective. They live for the now, in other words. But we teach our people to live for eternity. And of course, we understand the kingdom of God's within us, and we want to see God's kingdom advance now. But there is also, there's, Eternal promises and rewards that I think is really important for us to understand. It's extra incentive. I know as a dad, we give our kids incentive and it helps their behavior really great. <laughs> if you'll behave, <laughs> and uh, it really does help. And I do it because I love them and I like rewarding them and I like to bless good behavior. Amen? And it's the same with our heavenly dad. 
So check this out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 21. And I'm nearly done now. This is my final point. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everyone say treasures in heaven. Once again, we're talking about that account, that heavenly account. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break it and steal. So in other words, unlike the cryptocurrencies and your account that maybe you've got in that or your real estate file, it's not going to, it's not going to have ups and downs. It's not going to uh, bubble and burst and it's not going to have some sort of crash. Uh, it just continues to increase as you're found faithful in this life. And that's something for us to look forward to, the hope of glory. Amen? And Jesus wanted to teach the people this. He wanted to teach his disciples and those that were listening. Don't worry about this world, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, ne where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And our hearts in heaven. Amen. And then Luke 18, 22. This is really interesting. Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. Who's heard that story before? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Gee, by the way, Jesus didn't say that to everybody. He was led to say that to the rich young ruler because he realized the rich young ruler inquired about how to follow Jesus, but Jesus noted that the rich young ruler had a idol and it was called his wealth and his finance. So Jesus tested him, tested to see whether his loyalty was to his wealth or to obedience to Jesus. And it said that the rich young ruler walked away sad because his mindset was 70-year, 80-year perspective wasn't eternal and he didn't even, didn't even think about the, the heavenly treasures. He's like, yeah, but what about now? And it's really interesting that Jesus later on in another account says that people that make sacrifices in this life for his kingdom will inherit 100-fold in this life and the one to come. God is so good, man. He is so good. And I release the word of God today because I want to see faith stirred in the hearts. And what we do every year after we present the vision, we respond. We do this once a year as the provision for the vision. We call it the miracle offering. We release the word of God. We teach on the subject. And then we take up what we term a miracle offering. So I want you to think about that now for a moment. If we can have the ushers just place the buckets up here. We also like to release a percentage. Uh, we talk to the board about that, but sometimes it's 10, 20% where we release the, a percentage where we tithe as a church to other local churches in this region to sow into church unity. As well, and we've done that every year. We've given to various local churches and local schools over the years as well. So, this will also go towards a couple of projects that we want to finish off that we're close to finishing off. One is uh, a big fan, two is a parents and children's area. Okay, just on a practical note, some of the things that we want to finish. Also, um, the last four years, we have really been in a place where we've been living on the edge. We took on this big lease. 
We've taken on 11 staff members across our ministry now. We took on the Margaret Court Arena. We've been doing this crazy stuff and God's been providing all the way. And uh, this year, I've been praying and we're going to talk to the board. I really believe we're going to come into a season where we're going to really begin to save. And we'll probably let Awakening Australia take all the risk over the next year. And Fire Church is going to save because this place has got two years left on the lease and we would really love to purchase our own place so we're not paying rent, but we're paying off uh, a place that we own so that we can leave a legacy for the next generation as well, okay? So that's the, the financial strategy. We've also given fifth, over $50,000 in 2017 towards missions in some of the most broken, poor places in all the world and including our indigenous communities in Australia. So thank you guys for your generosity in that as well. So with all that in mind, I now want to pray. And actually, I want to give people an opportunity. If you want to give via debit card or credit card, just give us a wave now. I'd like one of those too, if I can. And I want, as, as we're doing this, I want you to think about and say, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to sow? Because this is an offering. Maybe for some of you, it's a repentance offering. You're like, oh my goodness, this is, I haven't been consistent in this area. It hasn't been a first fruit thing like it should be from my heart. And for some of us, um, maybe you've just drifted off in this area because you haven't been in faith, you haven't been thinking about it, and it's a repentance offering unto God. For some of you, it's a faith step. For some of you, you might like, you know what, I'm just going to give what I can at this stage. For some of you, you might want to go, you know what, I'm going to step out and prove God and test God in this, as it says in Malachi. But I really believe that this is going, uh, this generosity coupled with our fasting, uh, February 20. To 21, coupled with our increase in prayer as believers, those three things we know it caught the attention of heaven in uh, in the book of Acts, and uh, and God poured out His Spirit. We know it attracts the open heaven, and so we're going to believe right now that this step of faith is going to God's going to entrust us with the true riches of heaven. We want to see souls saved, the kingdom of God advance the local church strong, continuing to support missions around the world and do everything that we can, uh, eventually purchase our own building, leave a legacy for the next generation and to see God have His way. And so we get to partake, we get to co-labor with God right now. And I've put the buckets up here rather than have the ushers send it around again. I, I want everyone to come forward and, and pray and really think about it. Consider it like you're releasing seed or even like it's, it's an act of war where you're saying, you know, I'm going to give this and I, I want to see hell destroyed and I want to see heaven advanced in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au.